did you know something as little as an extra chromosome can affect male fertility? Gareth Landy has been on his own journey with infertility and he's been chatting to Megan here uh, on the Limerick Today show about it. My wife and I were trying to have a family. We've been trying for a few months and also, by the way, is my wife is MS. So Anna, my wife, had to come off her MS medication to try to get pregnant. So we had a short window for this to happen. And we were trying for a while and Anna was not getting pregnant. And I then went for um, a semen analysis. I got that to my local GP and that first result came back negative. Now, the GP said... Gareth, there's nothing to really be too concerned about because there could be a mistake in the lab. We'll run it again. So we we did it again and that came back another negative. And to be honest, it was completely overwhelming. You got this text to say that um, there's nothing in the sample. <laughs> you know, like, like I kind of sound a bit flippant about it now, but there are all these thoughts you're kind of racing in your head going, well, like, why am I here? What's the point of being a alive, what's the point of having children or trying to have a children if you can't pass your genes, this is kind of the thought of your mind onto the next generation and you kind of yo-yo around in your head and the doctor said to me at the time as well as, Gareth, have you ever heard of a thing called Kleinefelter syndrome? And I said, no, like, geez, what's, what's Kleinefelter syndrome? And the doctor then referred me on to seek to seeing a consultant. And Anne and I went to see the consultant. And I'm really glad that this person has retired. As he sat me down, he looked at me, he did a kind of a brief examination of me, looked at a lot of the notes that come through from the, from the lab and the GP and said, by the way, Gareth, this is the way it is. I went, okay. And I had no concept of the massive bombshell that was about to be dropped to me. He looked me directly in the eyes and he said, Gareth, doesn't work downstairs. You need to get over that and move on. And this had something to do with your chromosomes, didn't it? Yes. So at that stage, I did not know I was an XXY man. But the thought for me, if anyone's listening to that, like when they hear that, what happened was I actually retreated within myself. The thoughts in my head were just Spinning. And I would almost describe it as almost like, a, like an out-of-body experience in that I was in the room, but I wasn't actually interacting with the consultant or my Anna asked a question. My heart was beating really fast. My hearing went a bit weird and I actually completely retreated within myself. And Anna drove, I, would, I wouldn't say it's a project, but for us to have a family because after getting that news, like I started playing a lot of computer games like Call of Duty, I, I completely retreated within myself. And we ended up going to see a consultant in London. His name is Jonathan Ramsey. And Jonathan Ramsey is amazing. He's still my consultant. And he kind of went through he examined me, he looked at some of the results and I remember it so clearly actually he put his hand on my on my shoulder and then looked me in the eyes and said, Gareth, we're gonna do everything humanly possible for you and Anna. And that was so amazing. It's still so really overwhelming actually even thinking about it now. And at that stage he explained a bit more of what was XXY. So Megan, you are XX and a lot of men are XY, but I am XXY. So I have an extra X chromosome within my genetic makeup. And as far-fetched as this sounds, it's really, really common. And no one knows about it. Like, I never heard about it until Anna and I tried to have a family. And so I ended up having my first operation. And sometimes what can happen, there can be like a blockage within the within the tube, within the penis. So I was under anesthetic. And what they were going to do was they went into the testicles looking for pools of sperm. Because sometimes with XXY, it's a spectrum. So if you met me and then you met someone else, 
chances are we'd have completely different or maybe similar traits because there's such a wide variety. So I had the first operation and that came back that I was the very first person that he'd ever met who in his mid to late 30s still had the ability to produce the building blocks that build sperm. And then I went on a, I went on a cocktail of different drugs. I was taking testosterone gels, injections. I was taking Clomed, which is a drug given to women for breast cancer. And then in amongst all the stress and everything, I had a, an eight-day holiday in hospital. I had my appendix out, which was great fun. And then at a later stage, I had the follow-up operation which largely repeated the first operation. At that stage, it was confirmed that my actual ability to produce sperm had actually diminished. I actually just couldn't do it any longer. And um, is that yeah, the time ahead. when you decided to go down the route of IVF or did it take a while to make that decision? Well, we, we were kind of open to that beforehand because when, when Jonathan Ramsey explained the different operations, he said, you know, guys, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket here because if this doesn't work, and he gave Adam and I a very realistic expectation, it was no more than 15% of my body been able to produce sperm. Like it was quite a low expectation. So he had actually said, you really want to look at a donor. And that was really overwhelming. I don't know if you've have ever gone on um on a sperm donor website, they're, they're, they're really overwhelming. You're trying to make this decision for someone that hopes that looks like you. Like I remember one very clearly, he'd written this generic note, but it wasn't a note aimed at Anne and I. It was just a note for anyone to read. It was like, I hope you can use my sperm to create your family, but it wasn't a personal message. And you're you're trying to find this person as a candidate for you. Like I was crying doing it. It was so, so difficult. And in the end, we asked Jonathan Ramsey, did he know anyone who could help us? And he said, there's a very good embryologist that I work with here in London called Erica Foster. And Erica runs a small sperm bank in London. We contacted Erica and at the time, I think it's actually still my profile, actually, my LinkedIn profile was a photograph of me. And we contacted her through my LinkedIn profile. And she, we had a chat and she said, you know what, I actually have a donor that looks really like you, Gareth, because I can see what you look like on, link, on your LinkedIn. So we picked that donor, what we know is donor number eight. And whenever my ability to actually produce sperm had diminished, it was that stage we switched over to the donor sperm and going down the road of the um, of IVF. And did stage. it take a couple of tries when it came to the IVF or was it successful straight away or what, what was the process like for you? So what they do if people aren't familiar with IVF, it's what happens to the body, they do it in the lab. So they got the eggs from Anna, they then fertilize them with the donor sperm and then they produce, I, can't, I think maybe at least, at least two, if not three embryos came from that. And there's a stage called blastocyst and that's basically is a point where the embryos become uh, viable and then they can then be transferred back into the body. And we did our first round of IVF and that came back after two weeks as a chemical pregnancy. And I always say like a chemical pregnancy, that's such a, a horrible term and that was a fail. And then we went for a second round of IVF and a lot of the IVF clinics, they can actually grade the quality of the embryos. So it's really quite amazing what they can do. And they found this particular embryo and they said, this is a very high quality embryo. This is like the best going. We said, okay, sure, we'll go with that. And we they put that embryo back in Anna's uterus and that failed. And they had no idea why it failed. They didn't know why. And that was really difficult because like, they, they couldn't guarantee it was going to work, of course not, but because they were such, you know, or not, I wouldn't say jubilation, but they had high hopes that this was um, a viable embryo that would potentially become a child. And then that failed. I remember very, very clearly how upsetting that was. And then we kind of took a short break. And we went to see Anna's sister in the States with her children. And then we came back and there was 2019 
We then did a third round of IVF and we said to them, you know, we don't want to know the quality of the embryos because it was just too difficult on the second time when it didn't work. So you guys picked the embryos and Erica Foster picked the embryos and we found out from Patrick's Day 2019 that Anna was pregnant and then our twins were born on the 8th of November 2019 in the Coombe in Dublin. Amazing. So like, it's such a long process, but obviously a very happy ending in terms of that. And going back to the male infertility, do you think there still is a stigma around it at the moment for men speaking out about this issue? Absolutely. Like, like I've become very empowered about this because when I found out, I remember what happened to me was I completely retreated within myself. Like I have a lot of friends here, loads of men, loads of guys. None of the guys I know had had the experience of me. They weren't guys that, that had fertility issues. So I would say to my friends going like, oh, this is what's going on. And they'd be really supportive and really good. But they didn't actually have that kind of lived experience of actually what was going on for me. And I've been for and I still go for a lot of therapy. And I got back into running again. And that really helped my mindset. But a kind of the reflection from a few years later, like, you know, I ended up getting involved in a, a not-for-profit foundation based in California. It's called Living with XXY. And I did a podcast with Ryan Bergenti, who is an amazing XXY guy. He set it up, funny enough, the same month the kids were born. November 19th and the feedback from friends and family who heard it were going like this is brilliant we need more people like you coming forward it's kind of giving me the strength to come forward to kind of speak out with this because I do feel that a lot of men carry this internal shame that they feel that they're some kind of a failure like if you're born XXY it's not your fault. There's a really, really great support group in Ireland called the NISTIC, and that's the National Infertility Support and Information Group. <laughs> Quite a long title. But Anna and I used to go to a lot of their meetings, and it would be absolutely amazing. Like, you would meet other people, other couples. And it was great because you didn't feel like you were the only one. You'd meet other couples who had other fertility problems, and you would kind of learn from them and vice versa. And it was a really good, safe space. And I would really encourage people to do that. I also would say if people are thinking about donor sperm, there's a really good um, UK. We went to their, their conference in Belfast, the Donor Conception Network. And I think that's dcnetwork.org. And um, we went to one of their conferences about donor, donor conception. And it was amazing. Like we met this woman who was a donor conceived child. And I was very much kind of open to the idea of donor of using donor sperm before everything had come through about myself. But when I heard this woman talk, she's about uh, 23, 24 at the time. And she said, which I remember so clearly, is, you know, the guy who raised me, he's my dad. He he changed me as a baby. He, you know, put me to school. He, you know, paid for me to go to college, everything. He's my dad. The guy who gave me the sperm, that's just a tiny, tiny amount of, of that person, okay? I needed that sperm for me to exist. But... But my dad is the guy that raised me, and that had a real shift in my mindset. Um, and I can honestly say now, like, I'm really glad, honestly, really glad that I don't have sperm. And I know when some people would hear that going, what? Like, how could that guy say that? But I really mean it because we have the most amazing twins who are here because I don't have sperm. What a fascinating story there and really interesting perspective from Gareth Landy about male fertility, something that we don't hear as much about maybe as we should and uh, chatting there to our own Megan. 
your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.